0: Welcome to Kayla's Couch, a podcast about faith, family, mental health, and anything else. Grab a seat and get cozy as we discuss life as a Christian, a parent, a student, a person. Settle in and let's catch up. It's Kayla's Couch. Hello out there and thanks for listening. I'm Kayla and I'm so glad you decided to join me on the couch today. It's been a while. I took a month off from the podcast because I wanted to wait for the right topic to come to me rather than recording just to put something out. And I never want this to feel like an obligation, but instead a space to explore the topics and conversations that are genuinely interesting to me and I hope to everyone listening. With that being said, I am back in classes for my master's in clinical mental health counseling and I was assigned a few chapters of reading from a book called Embodying Integration by Megan Anna Neff and Dr. Mark McMinn. I whined a little bit about how much reading it was. Each chapter is like 40 to 60 pages. And um, although I really love reading, I just had a hard time focusing because uh, I just like wasn't in the mindset to read. Um, so it was funny because I was like a week behind in the reading and I actually needed to do it for an assignment. So I ended up reading three chapters in like two days. Um, But anyways, once I was able to focus on it and really like learn from it and take notes, it was really interesting. And um, since I really wanted to kind of discuss it, but I didn't really know who would talk to me about it, I realized it was the perfect thing for the podcast. So with this episode and the next, whenever that one gets recorded, I will be covering the first two chapters of this book. So today I'll be reviewing chapter one of Embodying Integration, which talks about lament. And I know that doesn't really seem like a fun topic, but the whole point is how much hope there is in lamenting and the importance of empathy and relationships. So the authors emphasize that lament isn't just grief itself, but the act of expressing the pain to someone who will listen. So in terms of integrating Christianity and counseling, it involves declaring our suffering to God and expecting that he will listen. And in therapy, it's similar because clients aren't just expressing their sadness, pain, frustration, disappointment, but they do it intentionally because someone is there to listen and hopefully be in that moment with them. So when we lament, we desire connection with the person who hears our cries. You've probably heard about the stages of grief, and those stages are important because they offer a form for the pain. And pretty often they predict the next phase for someone who is going through something painful. And lament can also follow a sort of form in that there is an address of suffering, the complaint itself, um, trusting that God hears it. And as the authors state, a quote, vow to praise. And it's important to have kind of like a form to follow or steps to follow uh, because it keeps the grief from becoming amorphous and leading to worsened depression or just a complete loss of hope. And I feel like this personally happened to me when I lost my daughter almost eight years ago. I didn't talk through my suffering and pain with a counselor right away, but I definitely lamented to God. It wasn't just anger or sadness, it was like a mix of it and just giving it all over to him. I didn't ask for answers because I knew that there weren't any, but I desperately needed to feel connected to him after initially feeling forgotten by him. And I feel really fortunate that I felt trusting of God to carry me through it. And eventually, I did seek counseling for the anxiety that resulted from the grief, but I still gained a really personal understanding of lament. And the Bible has a whole book in it called Lamentations, which is a collective writing about the fall and destruction of Jerusalem. And the whole book is a cry of fear and pain to God, along with the desire for forgiveness and redemption. And there may be some out there who don't agree with me, but I think our current church climate tries to focus on the positive and uplifting areas of scripture, and we don't always sit in the sections of suffering. The authors of Embodying Integration share that Lamentations 3.22 is the most cited verse in that book. The verse says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. So how crazy that the most quoted verse is not lamenting at all. And I'm reading from uh, the book right now, but the verses around it are like, He has driven and brought me into darkness without any light. He has made my flesh and my skin waste away and broken my bones. He has walled me about so that I cannot escape. He is a bear lying in wait for me. He has shot into my vitals, the arrows of his quiver. He has made my teeth grind on gravel. You have wrapped yourself with anger and pursued us, killing without pity. You have made us filth and rubbish. So, um, and this is a quote from Neff and McMinn. We cite the hopeful interlude in the middle of the chapter most often, but the context is one of torment and misery. And this just shows that we move so quickly from the hurt and try to get to the resolution and the happy ending, but that doesn't really make for a strong, trusting relationship with God, or anyone actually. It's easy to be around happy people, right? But we grow closer when we share our real lives with others. And being vulnerable is a gift, even when it's harder than hiding vulnerability. Have you ever shared something personal with someone about something you've been struggling with and they give you an answer like, God won't give you more than you can handle. Did that make you feel better? Probably not. I know that has happened to me many times and I feel like the other person just wanted to move on with the conversation, right? It might be hard for us to feel like our faith is secure if we're not happy with how things are going, but I don't think there's a lot of truth in that. I think part of relenting is resisting how things are. And hoping that something better is going to come out of it. And it's not really this senseless hope or without evidence. You know, like we have a hope in God and his promises. So when we're lamenting that things aren't the way we'd like them to be, there's more of like what they said, a vow to praise. Because you know that God has something good in store. A quote from the book says, Pain causes us to ask God hard questions, and these questions are not only acceptable, but are even healthy. It might be that we feel God won't want to be close with us or in a relationship with us when we're angry or unsatisfied, but the truth is that He shares in our suffering. He knows what it's like. He felt the pain of sin in us and sent His Son to suffer for us so that we could be redeemed. So we can feel relief that. He's, as um, the authors say, with us in the trenches, not orchestrating the suffering. And depression is rampant in our society, and I've experienced it myself. It comes from fear. It makes us feel isolated. feels like there's no one else that can understand, even though you feel like you hear everybody is depressed or has been depressed. Still, in that moment, you feel like you're alone. And it's really often a cycle of anger. It turns inward to ourselves. It causes us to pull away and isolate. And then, of course, we feel alone. And so then the cycle just continues. However, lamenting stops that cycle. It's taking that inward anger and expressing it outwardly. And it's not against our faith, but instead it shows faith that God is listening and that he cares for us. Uh, An example that the book uses um, from the Bible is Jeremiah. So he was isolated from society because he prophesied destruction, which of course no one wanted to hear. And since no one was listening to his prophesying, God actually took away his privilege to be the one to speak on his behalf to the people. And Jeremiah then calls out to the Lord, feeling tricked and lonely. And honestly, it's Completely understandable. Go to the book of Jeremiah and read it. It is heavy stuff. However, he never turns from God. He bravely presents his suffering to God, not seeking pity, but passionately seeking connection. I think another example of how we distance ourselves from our feelings, um, another example besides depression, is grief. You know, you feel like time heals all wounds, you hear that a lot. And like you think, I'm going to get through this. We're going to get past this. We try to overemphasize the form, you know, those steps. We think we're going to get to the end and then we're going to be done with it. But that's not true, right? Grief is something that we just kind of learn to live with. But I feel like that's okay to realize that it's something you're just going to live with from now on. And you don't have to do that alone. I'm going to read a section of the book that I just really loved. Um, It's page 41. And it's talking about heartbreak and having a more integrated view of heartbreak. Again, not something that you're just going to get over um, or something that happens one-off. And so I'm going to read this because I really liked the perspective. Um, It is... Also quoted in the book because they didn't write it. It is David White, who is a poet, and he writes this about heartbreak. Heartbreak is unpreventable, the natural outcome of caring for people and things over which we have no control. Heartbreak begins the moment we are asked to let go, but cannot. In other words, it colors and inhabits and magnifies each and every day. Heartbreak is not a visitation, but a path that human beings follow through even the most average life. Heartbreak is our indication of sincerity. In a love relationship, in a work, in trying to learn a musical instrument, in the attempt to shape a better, more generous self, heartbreak is the beautifully helpless side of love and affection and is just as much an essence of an emblem of care. Heartbreak has its own way of inhabiting time and its own beautiful and trying patience in coming and going. Heartbreak is inescapable, yet we use the word as if it only occurs when things have gone wrong, an unrequited love, a shattered dream, a child lost before their time. Heartbreak is something we hope we can avoid, something to guard against, a chasm to be carefully looked for and then walked around. The hope is to find a way to place our feet where the elemental forces of life will keep us in the manner to which we want to be accustomed and which will also keep us from the losses that all other human beings have experienced, without exception since the beginning of conscious time. But heartbreak may be the very essence of being human, of being on the journey from here to there, and of coming to care deeply for what we find along the way. And the authors go on to say, If we are to be witness-sparers to the suffering of the souls in our counseling offices, then we need to hold the possibility that hope and lament are not so much oscillations in the alternating currents of life, but rather the simultaneous realities of human existence. One is not to be avoided while the other pursued. Both bring meaning to the other. And I just really loved the imagery of that basically entire page. To be honest, I had to stop recording two times because it just had me choked up but I had just never thought of it that way. Um, obviously, I was in just the regular understanding that heartbreak was something that happened and then you get over it and then, you know, maybe you don't get that job or that relationship doesn't work out and there's the heartbreak. And time heals that. But no, this way of thinking about it is that heartbreak is woven through our entire human experience, and honestly, that's so true. You think of all the way back to the beginning, to creation, um, which you know you may or may not believe in. I do, and think of Adam and Eve, the first two people that God ever created, and given free will, they are disobedient right away, and as a consequence, sent. Away from the garden, away from the physical presence of God. And like, how heartbreaking. And then their children, the first children of the world, one kills the other. And then that has just continued throughout all time. You know, with the free will, we have sin, we have a fallen world. And even with the grace of God that we do not deserve, We are still called to him and able to cry out to him and be connected to him. And complete honesty, I did not think that this was going to turn into a sermon. But I thought it was just such a perfect example of how heartbreak really is just the human experience. And, you know, we have this gift of lamenting. Um, this gift of vulnerability that we can call out to God and know that he is with us in our struggles and with our times of anxiety, depression, grief, frustration. And I'm going to end this portion with one last quote from the book. It says, placed in a context of relationship, expressing the deepest anguish and sufferings of life can help us embrace life itself more fully. And I think as a counselor in training, this chapter was just really inspiring to me to look at a client coming in and expressing any of the emotions I talked about as not a complaining or a grievance or a waste of time or anything like that. Uh, To just come at it with this complete feeling of empathy and connection and Just being in that moment with them and saying, I'm listening. I hear you. Like, this is not falling on deaf ears. This is not for nothing. There is so much to glean from lamenting. So that's all for this episode of Kayla's Couch. This was such an interesting subject for me to dive into. Even though it's not the most happy subject, it's so important to look at as a counselor in training, but also as just a friend or a parent, somebody who can listen to someone else when they speak and really listen. So next episode, I'm going to do something similar with the next chapter of the book, which discusses finding meaning in a chaotic world. So if you have any questions for me or comments about today's episode, send me an email at kaylascouch at gmail.com. I really hope you'll join me next time on Kayla's Couch. Check out my 14-day devotional, Prayers for Anxiety, on Etsy. The printable download shares 14 scriptures that focus on encouragement for anyone feeling anxious, lonely, lost, etc. Each day includes context for the verse, how to apply it, a prayer, and a space for notes or journaling. I hope you'll check it out and let me know what you think after. The link for Prayers for Anxiety is in the podcast details and on Instagram at Kayla's kaylascouchpod. Thanks for listening today. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider subscribing or sending it to a friend. You can follow me on Instagram at Kayla's kaylascouchpod and send me an email at kaylascouch at gmail.com with any feedback or recommendations you have. Let's hang out again. It's Kayla's Couch.